This paid podcast is a partnership between Slate Studios and Century 21 Real Estate. All uses of trademarks or brands are not meant to convey sponsorship or affiliation of this podcast. From Century 21, this is The Relentless, a podcast about looking at sales differently. As entrepreneurs, we need to constantly evolve, refresh our approach, and these days, that means prioritizing the customer. Because sales is about so much more than transactions. It's about elevating experiences. I'm Kristen Meinzer. I'm an author, entrepreneur, and podcast host. And no matter what job I've had, I've always used my voice to help people. I learned early on that treating people like they matter isn't just the right thing to do. It also makes for good business and great relationships. And that's what this season is all about. We're talking to the visionaries reinventing hospitality and the pioneers who figured out how to create celebrations that don't feel like work. Because The Relentless is about more than the close. It's about opening our minds to new possibilities and crushing mediocrity every step of the way. It's time to dream big, embrace change, and stay relentless. Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Relentless. This season, we've heard from experts across so many industries who've shared insights into how they reimagine hospitality in their businesses. From handwritten notes to personal touches in digital communication, there are so many small ways to make a big impact on the customer experience. But what about businesses that take that customer focus to the next level? For this episode, we set out to find people who go above and beyond to make their client experiences extraordinary. The hospitality industry is known for making sure guests are taken care of from start to finish. This is especially true when it comes to hotels and resorts. My name is Will Jones, and I'm the general manager at the Swag Resort in Waynesville, North Carolina, which is a 16-room boutique luxury resort that sits right along the Great Smoky Mountain National Park. Over his career, Will has worked at some of the greatest luxury resorts in America. He says that treating hotel employees well and with respect is the key to ensuring optimal guest experiences. Will Jones, welcome to The Relentless. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. I got to ask you, what made you decide to pursue all of this in the first place? Of all the things, you know, when you were growing up, were you dreaming of it? Had you gone on great vacations and you thought, someday I want to have a job where I can help other people have great vacations? Was it something in your past? No, not really. I was a baseball player most of my life. So I was really into sports. And when I realized I wasn't going to be the next best professional athlete, I kind of made the decision, the grown up decision that I had to figure out what career I was going to do. And so when I got to NC State, started looking at the different colleges and programs, it's I I always uh, am embarrassed to admit this a little bit because part of my decision making was that I was really weak in uh, math and science and they just weren't (laughs) my favorite subjects. And so I was looking at programs that required only one of those classes and the hospitality program was one of those. So that was, you know, it's, it's a funny story that that's what got me going that direction. But as soon as I got into the different programs at NC State, uh, there was one that just sticks out. It was an inclusive recreation program and it was helping people with disabilities feel included in activities. And so we worked with these these young adults and it was just such a, a heartwarming experience for me. And so I knew immediately, I always knew that I like to take care of people and things like that, but that just kind of sealed the deal for me. And then as I progressed within the hospitality program, it just, 
it paired very well with, with, uh, you know, my persona and, and uh, how I wanted to, to continue my career at that point. Mm, I love the words you use there. You realized you really like taking care of people because that's so much of what hospitality is, is taking care of people. And I don't think it's always framed that way, but you really are saying, I want you to feel comfortable. I want you to feel taken care of. It's all, it's all the things that you do every day. And I'm curious, in this long career you've had, you've, you've worked at some of the greatest resort towns in America at this point. What changes have you seen in the hospitality industry over the years? So I started in the luxury hotel business in 2008. And during that time, if you remember, that was when the economy was crashing. And so that uh, forced all the hospitality industry professionals to to change the way they were operating and try to do more with less. And what that meant was as positions became open or people left, they were trying to have one person do multiple jobs at that time. And it became very much the new norm. And so I think that started a trend. And, and from my experience of working at places, we never really changed from that mentality. So we were constantly always trying to, to squeeze a little bit more here and, and so I think that that has continued over the years. And unfortunately, in a lot of cases, the hospitality industry has gotten just a negative uh, perception from people looking you know, outside in or even the people within the industry of being a very hard industry to work in. Because, you know, very typically you're working when other people are playing, you're working during holidays, you know, you're working uh, you know, 10 to 14 hour days, working six days a week. So there's, there's a lot of, uh, you know, I'd say kind of negative perception around that industry that was created back from, you know, as early as 2008. I understand that you have your own firsthand experience with that feeling of, oh, this is a lot. I'm feeling burnt out. Can you tell us about that? It really just gotten to the point. I have two young, young boys and, they were just, you know, we were not connected. And so even when I was at home, you know, time off, I was constantly working, still checking emails. Uh, being, a, being a top level general manager at a luxury, luxury property, you often find yourselves with a foot in two different camps. One, one foot uh, in, in the camp of the ownership or the asset management group who, you know, their main goal is to maximize profitability. Uh, and then the other camp that you're in is, is being the champion for the people and the voice of the team and, and you know, fostering uh, the culture. And so I often found in, in, in that leadership role that those two things would often clash with each other. So I decided to, to put in my notice and, and, and step away from the hotel industry. I mean, it was the most liberating experience of my life and, and scary too, you know, when you're walking away from, uh, you know, your lifelong career. I mean, I mean, to me, that sounds terrifying just on my own, but to also have two young kids also relying on you and as, as harrowing and hard as working in luxury hospitality can be as tough as it is, at least it's a regular paycheck and you, you were walking away from all of that. That's right. That's right. So we ended up buying an RV, actually. My wife and my two boys hit the road and we drove cross country. We were out for about two months on the road. Oh, and, wow. That's yeah, no we joke. Went, two uh, months. No, it was a long I just time. finished a week and a half road trip and I was like, whew, that was yeah. a lot. But I mean, it was, <laughs> in every sense of the word, it was a true sabbatical. And just having that time to 
not only reconnect with my family and my boys and my wife, but also with myself and, and just kind of a realization of, you know, what I wanted out of a career and, and what I wanted out of my family life and just kind of put everything into a whole different perspective. So it was just really an invaluable uh, experience for me to do that. Now, what I find interesting, though, is after doing that, you chose to go back to the hospitality industry after that moment of just, you know, getting grounded with yourself, with your family and so on. You went back to it. Why'd you go back to it? I had a friend who is an executive uh, recruiter for hospitality that we've worked with in the past. And he reached out to me one day and he said, hey, he, knew, he knows my whole story. He knows you know what I'm all about. And he said, hey, I know that you're, you're taking some time and, you know, I wouldn't be bugging you just for any old job, but I think you really need to check this one out. And it just so happened that he had been hired to find a, a GM for the swag. I always give the example of, it's kind of like when you are coming up in life and you have all these relationships and you date people and you learn what you really like and you learn what you really don't like. And so you kind of have this you refine it to a point, and that's where I was at that point in my life, is that I really knew exactly, if I was going to get back into the hospitality industry, I knew exactly what I was looking for. And so I was being very, very selective. And when he told me about it, I said, well, this has the makings of being exactly what I'm looking for. Let me meet with the ownership, because the ownership is you know, a major, major part, because everything trickles down. And so when we met, and you know, it was perfect fit. You know, our, our philosophies aligned about hospitality and about taking care of staff and building a great culture. And so that was just really great experience. And, uh, and the rest is, is kind of history there. Mm. Now, the swag is listed as part of the Relay and Chateau collection of properties. And some listeners might not know what that is. Can you describe that for us? Absolutely. It's a curated group, an association. It's got about 580 hotels and restaurants that are operated by independent innkeepers, chefs, and owners. Um, The basis of it is really just authentic service, putting the guests at the center of the experience and really promoting the local area and doing it in a sustainable way. So it's just really these just authentic curated experiences, um, you know, for guests to, to come and enjoy. And can you explain what that seal of approval means for you and the business? When we were first starting to, to kind of court really in Chateau and say, hey, we want to be part of the organization, we felt in our hearts that what we were already doing organically fit with with the, the philosophy of Relay and Chateau. So we didn't feel like it was a stretch to be part of the group. And, uh, you know, they kind of felt the same way, which was great. Since we've been included into that organization, we've seen an increase in, you know, diehard Relay and Chateau fans that come and stay at the property. And, you know, they have very high expectations. All of our guests do, but they're comparing us now to every other Relay and Chateau property that they've been to. So it definitely, you know, from a professional standpoint, I, I use the example, it's like being picked to play on the varsity team. You know, you're you're now playing with with all these other incredible properties. And so that becomes the basis for, you know, every guest experience that has experienced a Relay and Chateau. They're coming here saying, okay, I know Relay and Chateau is, is at this 
this very high level and very great experience. So now I'm coming to expect that same thing at the SWAG. And can you tell us about some of the experiences guests might expect if they're going to be spending time with you at the SWAG? What, you know, I get there, I, I know for a fact I'm going to have the greatest views in the whole world because you're in the Great Smoky Mountains. But what else is going to happen when a guest arrives there? I always tell the team that the, the best thing that we can do is make these, these guests feel like they're coming into our home. And, you know, being part of, of the SWAG experience is really being part of the swag family. And so we really want people to feel that uh, we have a lot of different experiences. Obviously the hiking in the park is one of the biggest attractions. So we get a lot of folks that are are very uh, active and avid hikers. We also have other things for those that aren't as active. So some people want to just grab a book and, you know, cozy up next to a fire with a glass of wine or a cup of coffee. And that's that's totally okay too. And uh, we also have a great spa that we just unveiled this past season. Horseback riding, we can do fly fishing. And then on top of that, we have experts and residents that will be here throughout the year. But they are individuals that are experts in their fields, whether it be, you know, retired park rangers or artists or musicians even that will be here to just really help create this just memorable experience for people that are staying at the swag. When guests choose the swag as their special place to go, why do they choose it? What do they tell you? Why did they say of all the thousands of places to stay, I chose you? When they tell you why, what is the reason? A lot of times it's word of mouth. And I think that's the best compliment that we can get. And yeah, I always, I always try to ask, I try to meet everybody when they check in and I, I just, you know, start the relationship there and try to ask them, you know, how did you hear about us? You know, what brought you to the swag? And I think majority of the time it's, well, we had a friend who told us about it or our neighbor has been here and they just said, we have to come check you out. And so I think that in itself is, is just a huge compliment. Have there been any changes you've made to how you run the swag based on what guests have told you um, on, on their feedback or on their experiences? Definitely. You know, being in the hospitality industry, you're always striving for perfection. I mean, it's especially at this high level. So you want to always be open to feedback. And if you're not, if you're complacent, then you're going to you're going to just stay stagnant and you're going to lose people, I think. And our goal, obviously, the biggest litmus test for us is when people are checking out and I send them surveys and I look is one, I want to see if they rate the experience as excellent. And if they did, that's one check. And then the other question is, is will you return? And if I get a yes or excellent on on that one and then a yes, we're going to return, then I, I know we're doing things right. But I always go through, we take the time to go through those surveys pull what we can from them, any, any suggestions that, that guests have, or, you know, even when we don't want it to happen, but any misses that we have, we take it as a team, we look at it and we say, what can we do to make sure this doesn't happen again? So we're constantly tweaking processes and, you know, just making sure that we're refining the guest experience through that process. Yeah. The thing is, you know, all of us as humans, business owners, et cetera, it's been shown by behavioral economists and so on. We're resistant to change. A lot of us don't want to change. We don't like to change. So what advice would you have for small business owners who, you know, when the moment requires it, have, have to change? What advice would you have for them? Well, I, I just think change is, is necessary. You know, I, I would just say don't be resistant to it. And, and the best way 
to change, I think, is to be, to change based off of facts. I'm, I'm very fact driven. So, you know, if you have to make a change, just make sure that you have the right information to to drive that change. And, and I think the best ways to do that from an ownership or entrepreneurial standpoint is solicit the feedback, you know, try to get the feedback from your clients, uh, try to get your employees engaged in the process, get their feedback because they're the ones that are dealing with the, the clients and the guests most of the time, and then try to initiate change through those facts and, and through that feedback. And then just never, never be complacent, never get to a position where you say, we don't need to change. We don't need to improve. Because I think when you get into that, that mindset is when your business will start going down. How would you describe what it means to offer extreme hospitality, an extraordinary experience? What, what examples would you give of that? Mainly, it has to be memorable. It has to be something that stands out, that's not just cookie cutter, that, you know, there's so many great properties out there, so many great places to go stay that, you know, they're, they're all doing things really well. But the things that, in my opinion, that really stand out are authentic, caring staff. And, and I think the, the greatest example of that is when somebody can make you feel uh, not like you're a paying guest or a paying client, but start making you feel like a valued person. That to me is where it becomes the difference of, of just staying at a really nice place and people are taking great care of you because they know that you're paying a lot of money versus these people are taking really great care of me because they want to take really good, great care of me. And so it becomes this more personable, authentic experience. And so much of what you're saying there really just brings it back to what you said earlier about treating everybody like family. It's that kind of family spirit that trickles from the top down. And that's something that started with the hotel's original owners, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, it did. It started with uh, Dan and Diener Matthews and, you know, the way they have created this property. I mean, it started out as their home, right? And so they had this place as their, their mountain home and their kids lived here and they'd come and vacation here. And it slowly became an inn and then it evolved. And now David and Annie Colquitt have taken over the property and it's now been elevated to an internationally recognized resort. But that feeling, that spirit of, of family and caring has very much persevered. And David and Annie have, you know, taken over that um, feeling and, and it's very much still instilled. Now, for entrepreneurs starting or growing their business, what advice do you have for deciding exactly what they'll do to provide the extraordinary experiences that they want to give to their clients? It's a recurring word that I use, but the just be authentic. And mm -hmm. I think if you're authentic, people see that. And I think if you're not, they see that even more. And, and so you want to make sure that everything you're doing is really is coming from the heart and I think people will, will uh, appreciate that and, and respond very well to that. Uh, another thing would be just to try to anticipate what the guest or client needs, you know, before they need, they know they need it, uh, and then try to deliver on that. And I think if you can successfully do those two things, then, then you'll be okay. Mm. What I really love about that is it gets back to what you said in the very beginning and that we've said a few times throughout this, which it's really about taking care of people and not just taking care of your customers, but taking care of your employees. If you're making them feel taken care of and you're making them feel like family, it's it's got to work out in the end, right? I think so. I absolutely think so. 
Will, this has just been a delight. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today on The Relentless. Well, thank you for having me. I have enjoyed the conversation. When it comes to extreme hospitality, Will Jones knows the importance of thinking with the customer's wants and needs in mind. My next guest is also doing that for her real estate clients. Sio Sandoval has spent 15 years of her career with Century 21 Realty Masters and is a top producer for the Century 21 brand each year. She's recognized as one of the top 250 Latina agents in the Los Angeles community. Sio knows firsthand how rewarding hard work and dedication can be, not for the monetary value, but for the positive results she gets for her customers. Sio Sandoval, welcome to The Relentless. Thank you for having me. Now, Sio, from a young age, you were drawn to the Century 21 brand because of a real estate agent who actually came to your house regularly. And at 16, you asked if you could become an agent. Can you tell us the story of how that all happened and why this agent was coming to your house regularly? Um, so we were uh, tenants for a very long time. I mean, all my childhood and this specific home um, there was uh, this man, this older man, you know, very distinguished, and he would come exactly on the first of the month, and he was always wearing a j- gold jacket with, uh, back then, the jackets were embroidered. So it had mm. the Century 21 with the house logo. And every month, uh, like clockwork, and, you know, my mom, a couple days before that, would make sure that she... Um, my mom, you know, is a single, she was a single mom and she raised us by um, having two lunch trucks in here in Los Angeles. So it was, it's a, it was a cash business then. So she made sure that the cash was available to pay the rent. And, um, you know, the man would come in and he would always sit down and, you know, he would, you know, small talk with my mom about the business. And I would just ask him questions and I said, this man is so powerful, you know, he probably collects the whole entire block. So one day I asked him, I said, how do I do what you do? Like, I want to do what you do. And he's like, well, you know, I sell houses. And he said, you have to graduate from high school and take a real estate, you know, course. And then you go to the school and you, you know, study for the the license. Um, And I knew, you know, I didn't do it exactly right after high school, but I always knew that that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be powerful like him and sell houses and collect money. (laughs) Oh, gosh. I remember when I was younger also seeing them in those blazers and just thinking, oh, this is a real professional. So how did you actually go from asking that question to becoming a real estate agent yourself at age 24? I also was a single mom and, um, you know, I was working two jobs and um, I was commuting from my my home to Beverly Hills and it was, the commute was terrible and I was always late to pick up my son from daycare, you know, or his after school program. My son was four at that time and um, I said, you know, I need a job where I can be self-employed. So I took the classes and once I was ready, um, I said, I'm I'm going to go on my own. Like, I'm going to go get a job. And after taking these real estate classes, you went to the Century 21 office, the one right in your own neighborhood. Century 21 prime time. So I went from making 24000 at my full-time job to making eighty to 100000 that year, my first year in real estate. 
whoa, you were killing it in your first year. Oh my gosh, wow. And I'm so curious how uh, your background may have, you know, played a role in your success because this whole episode, we're talking about extreme hospitality. You clearly saw things from both sides, first as a Century 21 client as a as a child growing up, and then now you're a Century 21 agent. How did that background play into your success? Century 21, it's it, there's prestige in the brand and the name. So I know that, you know, customer service is utmost of importance. And, you know, seeing also my mom, the way she, my mom was a business owner, you know, she ran her her food company uh, out of a lunch truck. And I remember how she made her customers feel, how she would extend credit to them, how she would always tell my sisters and I, you know, yes, it's seven in the morning, but you still have to say good morning. You have to say thank you. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. So it's, you know, we're in a customer service business and it's true. The customer is always right. At the end of the day, I want my clients to remember the way I made them feel. Whether it's their first investment, their second, their third, I want to make sure that they they know, you know what, CEO did not give up on us. Mm. But what's amazing about all of your work, CEO, is you're not just doing that for yourself. You're doing that in the greater Los Angeles area. You're doing that uh, for people and for communities there. What do these communities mean to you and what do they need most in your opinion? Here in Los Angeles, in, in you know, it's zip code driven. So if you if you're in a certain zip code, they assimilate you in having this income bracket. Um I I want to break that. You know, I'm selling Watts. I I have, you know, two income earners that will go into Watts because they can't afford the other side of town. So that community, those neighborhoods, my goal is to break down those barriers. A zip code should not make you. Just because I don't have the two-car detached garage, the grass, the white picket fence, it shouldn't, you shouldn't see me less. You should actually, you, you, need, you still need to include us, include everybody in those neighborhoods. And it starts from there because those are the kids in those high schools that will become our professionals 10 years from now, 20 years from now. Yeah. And what you're helping people in those communities do, regardless of zip code, is to build wealth and make smart financial decisions. How do you define wealth security to them? Uh, How do you help them with that journey? It's wealth, right? But it's generational wealth because anything that you buy that's yours you have the independent choice to say, I'm going to pass this on to my next loved one. You know, if you buy a car and it's paid off, chances are, you know, when your 16-year-old gets the permit, you're going to give them that car. So the same thing with the home. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So you're not just helping people buy and sell homes. You're educating people and reassuring them. You have the ability to do this. You're empowering people in a lot of ways. Now, what do you think is the best indicator that good customer service has been provided to the community you serve? That I that I stay in the community. Many people are like, why aren't you doing these million-dollar homes? And why don't you take your career here? No, I. this is where I'm at because it doesn't matter. I can sell $5 million houses, uh, five, let's say uh, 1.5, but if I sell 10 where I'm at, I'm making the same money. 
And I, I know that the people need me there. Yeah, absolutely. And I got to say, you are the epitome of extreme hospitality. This is what we're talking about this whole episode is extreme hospitality. When you think of the term extreme hospitality, what does that mean to you in your work and your work with your clients? Go the extra mile. You know, anything you can do extra um, that does, is not part of the job. You know, with real estate, you have so many in-between people. You have escrow, title, home inspectors, appraisals. Work with them. You're all, it's all a team because, you know, they're, they're a representation of me. And so I want to make sure that my clients know that, you know, upon the sale, I don't go away. I'm with you all the way till closing. I, I had a customer. They were an older couple. And this is a true story. They were very, you know, on a budget and we hired movers. I, you know, I had to advance that because they didn't have the funds to do that. They didn't have family to help. And mm. I said, you know what? I'll take care of it. We'll bill it through escrow. Um, and even at the end, they had been there 40 years. They broke down. They didn't know where to start. I said, it's okay. I'm going to hire some people. I was there moving boxes with them. I was coordinating oh. with them because I knew that they needed that because without some direction, they were not going to be able to take that initiative and say, you know, escrow closed. You got to go. <laughs> we don't want to have an issue <laughs> with possession. Um, so, you know, be there for your clients. Check in on them. And I love it because clearly you are a cherished member of your community and you've made their lives better. You've made your community better. And uh, you can't buy that. Now, there's one question we ask every guest on the show, and I'd love to hear your take. What does relentless mean to you? You know, this career, you know, being a, a self-employed realtor in today's times, it's so, so difficult. It's rewarding, but it's difficult. There's so many emotions involved. There's so many personalities. To me, I didn't stop during COVID. I, I had to go. I was like, oh my, what do I do? And the only thing I know how to do is show up and work. There's no plan B. If I don't close, I don't get any checks. You know, Century 21 loves me and I love them, but I know they're not going to pay me if I don't close <laughs> those escrows. <laughs> oh, well, CEO, I got to say, this has been so inspiring talking with you because you're so fierce and so caring. And that mix is truly not just making your life better, but it's really helping everybody in, in that community around you. So thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today here on The Relentless. No, thank you for having me. And to everyone out there, to all my Century 21 friends, hello. <laughs> the Relentless is produced by Slate Studios in partnership with Century 21 Real Estate. You can find out more about the guests you heard in today's show and discover more great material from our Century 21 partners at slate.com slash c21relentless. I'm Kristen Meinzer. Thanks so much for listening. And please join us next time. All rights reserved. Nothing herein is intended to create an employment relationship. Century 21 Real Estate LLC fully supports the principles of the Fair Housing Act and the Equal Opportunity Act. Each office is independently owned and operated. This material may contain suggestions and best practices that you may use at your discretion.